Hello, everyone. First of all, I'd love to thank you for tuning in to the Integrative Thoughts podcast. I am your host, Matt Kaufman. And through this platform, I plan on seeking out guests that interest me, that I am curious about, and overall just living a more meaningful, purposeful life in hopes that you as listeners and I myself can grasp onto a little bit of their knowledge and integrate that into our daily lives. Are you having trouble losing weight? Do you get extreme food cravings, especially at night? What about the inability to lose weight even when you cut calories and do a lot of exercise? I know I fell into this category for pretty much most of my life. It's actually probably not even your fault. You most likely have what's called leptin resistance. Leptin is actually a hormone made by the fat cells that regulates food intake and energy expenditure by communicating with the brain. The more fat you have, the more negative leptin messages are actually being sent to your brain. This creates what's called leptin resistance and is going to sabotage all dieting efforts and causes food cravings even when you have enough fat stored. Introducing Zenith, this is an all-new, completely natural formula that gently decreases leptin levels to restore accurate communication between fat cells in the brain. Zenith contains zero harmful stimulants. It's made of all-natural polysaccharides and acetylated fatty acids, very safe for long-term weight loss plans, and it is made in the USA. In an eight-week, university-conducted, double-blind, placebo-controlled study, participants lost 21.3 pounds of fat, lost almost four inches off their waistline, and reduced serum leptin levels by 43%. So if you or someone you know, someone you really love is struggling with weight loss, head down to the show notes. I'll have a link there and a few videos where you can learn more information about Zenith. So listen, I've been experimenting with different types of minerals, especially magnesium, for the past five to six years. But I could never really find a product that I could feel the benefits that magnesium claimed to give. Magnesium is one of the most important minerals for all of human health. It participates in over 600 different biochemical reactions in the body, yet over 80% of the population is deficient. Magnesium deficiency can increase risk for all disease and greatly decrease optimal performance. That's why I like Bioptimizers. They use all seven forms of magnesium in a highly bioavailable form in their product Magnesium Breakthrough. Magnesium helps with stress, anxiety, sleep, immune function, detoxification, and so much more. If you want to try out this product, head over to Buy Optimizers and use code INTEGRATIVETHOUGHTS10 to receive a 10% discount on their amazing product, Mag Breakthrough. Today's guest is Ryan Sprague. He is also known as the Cannabis Coach. And he helps people identify if they are over-consuming or misusing cannabis and how to take a pause and reflect and then to bring cannabis back in in a more ceremonial style container. Maybe we use it once a week, twice a week in lower doses. Maybe you're mixing tobacco with the cannabis to stay grounded. I mean, we got into all sorts of different topics. This was near and dear to my heart because I used to over-consume cannabis. I used to smoke sun up to sundown. Now I can't even remember the last time that I've even smoked but Ryan makes me want to try it in a more ceremonial way and see if I can reflect on things that come up or maybe I can connect better to Cole, my partner. Maybe I can have some better lovemaking. We get into all these topics and more. This entire show is all about cannabis. Enjoy. Ryan, welcome to the Integrative Thoughts Podcast, brother. Thank you so much, man. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, we've been planning this out for a little while and whenever I have the opportunity to hop on and co-create some magic, uh, with some other gangsters. I love doing it, man. So thank you for having me. 
Yeah, absolutely. I had to hit you up a couple times, but I, I knew I was like, I was like, he responded, but then yeah, I know, I know that you've been doing uh, the, after the Paul check and the Aubrey podcast, that'll, that'll light a fire under your uh, business's ass. I'm sure. Oh dude, it's been nuts. Like I was just, you know, again, like first world problems and also the best problem to have, but <laughs> my DMS are just so crazy right now. And, uh, and I don't want to give them up. Like I, I really enjoy like meeting people and talking. So I appreciate when people just reach back out to me because sometimes just somehow the message gets lost. If someone tags me, then like sometimes a bunch of the notifications just block out the messages. So yeah, man, it's been an amazing challenge to navigate, uh, but still a challenge for sure. <laughs> yeah, 100. I knew that exactly what was happening. And you even kind of like had said in the audio message that you're like, dude, great, great, great problem to have. But like, my, I'm just like getting booked and whatever. And I was like, dude, just find a date and I'll get you on here because um, cannabis is actually near and dear to my heart. We kind of spoke a little bit on the podcast and I uh, started growing cannabis actually like the last semester of college. It was super funny. Uh, I'll give a background because I haven't really talked about it too much on my show. It's kind of like my past life that I've given up, you know. Um, but I was like in school for pre-law. And then my buddy takes me over to this, uh, our other buddy who was just had this giant pole barn full of cannabis. And his dad was kind of a, a cowboy, right? He was like, showed him how to grow before it was legal. I think he kind of had an inkling that it was going to be legal or whatever, or maybe just didn't give a fuck. But either way, like they were kind of growing before it was legal. And Michigan was actually one of the first states to kind of go legal. This was like 2011. Hmm. And uh, I went over there and I, dude, I thought I was in an episode of weeds or something. And <laughs> I, you know, I had only smoked like a once or twice. I was more of like a drinker. And um, I was like, wow, this is this is what you're doing. This is legal. And I, I just I felt like a good calling. And uh, so then we started a little basement grow. So I was like up in college, like I only had school like three days a week. And then I was coming home for the other four days to like help with this grow. And like we were drinking and we we're excited. I was like, this shit's <laughs> cool, dude. Just to watch these plants grow and see what it was. And um I abused it, obviously, and I started had ended up getting bigger grow. And then I had a dispensary for a little while, which was super cool and like into the legality part of it, even though they still like wouldn't let us have bank accounts and stuff. It was it was super like gray area. It was it was <laughs> weird. It was a weird, weird time. The regulations and stuff are a lot stricter now. Like it was like the wild, wild west back then. We were like selling whatever. It wasn't tested for mold or anything. It was just like whatever you had, people could come in and buy it. It was it was bizarre. But super funny time. And I just got super hooked on it though. I think I was just way using it as a crutch and we got into dabs and everything. So when I moved to Florida, I kind of let it all go. And I've smoked here and there uh, with my one buddy who, who grows a lot of good cannabis, some of the best I've ever had, but um, I don't do it with any regularity. And then I'm listening to Paul Check's podcast one day and I see the cannabis coach on there. And I'm like, I listened to quite a few of his podcasts and the message was just so spot on with what you're what you're trying to uh, bring into the world around this space of cannabis. I just haven't heard anyone speak like this at all about cannabis. And it's it's so needed because what I gather from my time in the cannabis world is that people are like, it's safe. It doesn't have any downsides. You can't get addicted there. You know, all these things that they tell themselves because they're trapped in the loop of smoking when they wake up and then smoking before the gym and smoking before they go out to eat. And that's the, where I found myself and it wasn't easy to quit. It wasn't hard. Maybe as like if I was on hard street drugs, cause I've gotten off of those before and those are really, really tough. But, um, yeah. 
like, you know, it still wasn't easy to get off of cannabis. It took a while for me to feel a little bit normal and feel like I was in a, a headspace where I was like a little bit mentally clear. So why don't you kind of give us a background on how you began in getting into cannabis and uh, as a teenager and why it kind of sparked your interest? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, it's so amazing to hear other people's journeys because I think that right now this is the unspoken epidemic within uh, the cannabis world, right? Like people kind of know it exists. No one really wants to talk about it, right? Like, so when I went through, which I'll get into how I came to this conclusion myself, like I was just like, honestly, I really feel like other people must be struggling with this too, right? Like I'm, I, I'd be naive to think I'm the only one. And then coming out and going on, you know, all these different podcasts and whatnot, especially the Aubrey episode. I mean, that blew up so much. I think it has like 600,000 views now. I mean, it's been fucking crazy. And it showed me just how many people are ready to hear this. And I've been in talks with Stephen Gray, Hamilton Souther, Daniel McQueen, all the who's who of the cannabis world. And um, it's been so much fun just seeing how we can all help each other. And also like Hamilton was saying, he's like, dude, I tried to come out and talk about this with cannabis like five years ago. People wanted fucking nothing to do with it, right? You think it's <laughs> so awesome to hear that people are now more receptive to it. So for me, this all started when I was 16 and I found that cannabis was the only thing that helped me actually move through anxiety. And, you know, I'll, I'll try to keep this part short because it is a pretty long story. But what I want to get into is the fact that I had gone to a doctor um, because I was feeling uneasy. I didn't know what I was feeling. And after about five minutes, he was like, oh, you have anxiety and therefore you need this medication. Right. So again, as you know, a moldable 16 year old, I was like, okay, well, this is the guy in the white lab coat. Of course, he had what we call frame control, of course, right? Like he's the one that knows about my health. This is the guy that I can go to. I didn't know anything about holistic health yet or anything. So I tried all of these different pharmaceuticals. And after about the sixth or seventh one, uh, a friend of mine that I was talking to in frustration of like, why the fuck can I feel better? Because every pharmaceutical just made me feel less connected to myself, it made me feel like grayed out, like a just a very numb gray world. And so I was telling my friend about this. He's like, dude, you should try smoking weed. Like, that's what gets that feeling you're describing to go away from me. I was like, all right, well, fuck it. I have nothing to lose, you know. And at this point, like I was I fully bought into the propaganda. Right. So I had never tried it. But I ended up trying it. And after about the third time, when, you know, it takes a couple of times to figure out, like, what is this new thing? Do I even like it? What's what am I supposed to feel? The third time I tried it, I had this beautiful experience where I realized that I was not my thoughts. So I realized like just that realization alone allowed me to realize, oh, I don't have anxiety. I'm just experiencing anxious thoughts, right? So that dichotomy right there changed my entire relationship to my life in, as a whole. And so then I started going, wow, this is a really, really cool plant. There was other times where I would interact with it and just watch Star Wars for hours and just like just being, I mean, it was really like my first intro to being mindful, right? Which might not sound mindful to watch Star Wars, but I was so present with everything I did that it was this whole new way of living. And it also allowed me to realize that if I had been lied to about this, right? If I had been lied to about pharmaceuticals and these kind of things, what else was I being lied to about? And I want to throw the caveat here that I'm not saying that pharmaceuticals are objectively bad. I don't believe there's any objective truth in society or in the world, but I do believe they're extremely overprescribed, right? Like, why did the doctor meet with me for five minutes and feel okay giving a 16-year-old an SSRI, right? It's just like, that's ridiculous, you know? So, so again, as I started to get into this, like many of your listeners will probably relate to, I never got a user manual for the plant. So I never knew uh, how much was too much. I never knew what the warning signs of dependency were. I also never learned anything about being emotionally aware or mental health or any of these things in school. So you put those two things together and you have a breeding ground for numbing out, right? So what happened was as I started to, very similar to what you said, 
I started to realize, oh, I like this thing maybe once a month. Then it was once a weekend. Then it was on weekends. Then it was just at night. Then it was just before school on days I had school, but then at night other days. Then it just became part of every part of my day. And what I want to tell everyone is none of that was the fault of cannabis, right? It was my problem to handle and deal with. And that's a lot of like what I started to realize as I started moving farther into this. So when I was 18, I woke up one day and just started peeing blood, had no idea why, right? Obviously very daunting, my first mortality crisis. So my dad drives me to the hospital on the way there. He goes, Ryan, I got to know, are you doing drugs? I said, no, but I am interacting with a lot of cannabis. And I saw him have a sigh of relief, which for a guy that grew up in the just say no, you know, era, uh, this was very interesting because I had always, he had never been vehemently against it, but it was definitely something that he didn't, you know, uh, you know, consciously support anyway, or like, you know, uh, on the front uh, support. And so after a little while, we, we go to the hospital and I start showing him all of this research that I've been doing on cannabis and it's, you know, it's uh, uh, relieving properties of inflammation and anxiety and these kind of things. And this is like 2011. So the research or maybe, no, this was actually 2010 or 20, 2009, right around there. So the research was much more preliminary than it is now. And it's still preliminary now and very infantile. But um, to my dad's credit, he had no cognitive dissonance. He goes, wow. Shit, I guess I've done a lot more research. I didn't know what I didn't know. All right, this is awesome. Hey, if this is working for you, um, you can do it in the house because I lived with them at that point. I was in school um, for psychology. And so from that point forward, it kind of bonded my father and I. Uh, and I thought I had really found the secret to cannabis. Wow, this helps me get over anxiety. This is amazing. And so uh, after that point, my dad still was not interacting with cannabis, but he just really enjoyed the fact that I had found something that helped me. So I'm in school for psychology. I go to the Boston Freedom Rally that year. And I forget my glasses and having blue eyes, it's hard to see. Like sometimes the sun is just really bright. So I hear this guy yelling, who wants to make butter with me? And I just follow the sound over to this guy's little tent. Uh, and he's giving out these pamphlets for a basic eight week semester opening up at a brand new cannabis institute opening up in Massachusetts, right? Like five minutes from my house. So at this point, Again, 2011, there's no medical here. There's no recreational. Um, there's really no recreational in most places. Um, there's only one school in the world, which is Oaksterdam. Like this is a different era than it was now. So I took this as a sign, one of my first real big synchronicities. So I go home, I tell my dad, I'm like, dude, could you help me pay for it? I'm a broke college student. And he goes, I'll do one better. I'll buy your spot and I'll buy a spot too. And I'll go with you because I'm just super excited about this. So we end up going there together. Again, he's not interacting with cannabis, just fascinated with the world. I start learning about organic soil science. I start learning about the pharmacology of cannabis, the history of cannabis, the science of it, everything. I just start soaking up like a sponge. And I realized real quickly there, well, I don't want to be a psychologist stuck in khakis every day in a cubicle. So I actually really like this more. So I thought that I was going to not put my psychology stuff behind me. I was always fascinated with the mind, but I wasn't going to do that professionally. So then from that point, uh, a couple of years later, I end up interning for the school and working for them and all this amazing stuff happening, learning a lot about holistic health and exercise. And this catapulted my entire journey. So then a couple of years later, in 2014, I go to my first music festival and I interact with MDMA for the first time because I had still not interacted with any other type of medicine, psychedelic or anything, just cannabis, because I'd still bought into the propaganda. But I had gone out there with some friends and uh and we it was all our first time so you know we were we were being careful and everything so i was like all right this seems like a good time to try it so i did some research on it before okay it's a hard opener okay this is what i have to watch out for okay this sounds cool so then when i am on it in the crowd of like fifty thousand people or however many people were at edc las vegas that year i feel this very interesting 
pull or like just this feeling about my father. I didn't know what it was about, but I figured, you know, my dad loved going to Mohegan Sun and Foxwoods and gambling from time to time. I'm in Vegas. My dad loves going to steakhouses. It's our ritual. We're going to steakhouses. I'm like, oh, I just chalk it up to that. So when I get home, uh, nine days after I arrived back home, I found out my dad got diagnosed with terminal cancer. And by the time they found it, it was already stage four. It had metastasized throughout his entire body. Uh, and it was small cell carcinoma. So it was a very fast moving cancer. And so here's, you know, my dad's telling me this. He looks the exact same. And I don't know how to actually like process this. I have no idea how to like not treat him like the sick guy. And he doesn't want to be treated like that. And I don't want to treat him like that. So I have this like very interesting paradox happening where all I want to do is be there for my dad during his time of need, but something is just not allowing me to do so. And so he elected to not take chemo and radiation. And after a couple of weeks, he started experiencing some severe pain. And so I started talking to him like, dad, I know that you like control. And I know you don't want to be intoxicated, but you should really think about interacting with cannabis. Because at this point, we had met so many people at the school that were treating and even curing their own cancer with cannabis products. Um, the specific product you'd be looking for if people want to research this is RSO, Rick Simpson oil, or FICO, full extra cannabis oil. There's PubMed studies about how THC kills cancer cells in mice. It's it's pretty uh, common now to see those things. So, so anyway, we had met these people, seen their scans with our own eyes, everything. So I knew my dad at that point was not going to quit smoking cigarettes, drinking Coca-Cola, doing the things that he loved, right? So I knew that it wasn't going to save his life. But I was like, listen, if I can help him through end of life of this, that would mean the world to me. And so I had a, I had a choice, right? Do I love my dad for the person he's been my entire life? The person who, yes, eats unhealthy and drinks Coca-Cola and smokes cigarettes, but has always loved me. Or do I try to selfishly make him into the person I think he should be so that maybe he can survive this? But in doing so, I'll take away a lot of his pleasures, right? So I decided to go with the first side. And so I was like, all right, you know what, dad? Let's turn our last harvest that we cultivated together into RSO. And let me just start feeding this to you. And so during this time, here's someone who's never really interacted with cannabis. And now he's interacting with like the strongest form of cannabis on planet Earth, right? So I would sit there with him and I would, you know, really just you know, be there for him if he had questions, make sure he was having a good time, these kind of things. And the most amazing thing happened when that event happened, because I thought at this point that I had had cannabis figured out, right? And this is when everything just opened up for me. Because I had no idea what grieving was. I had no idea what closure was. I had no idea where even what death was. I hadn't lost anyone close to me. And so I had no idea what the process of going through death is and how important it is that you can gain closure while the person's still alive. I didn't know any of this stuff. So all I was doing was following my heart's call to provide medicine for my father in his time of need. So we're sitting there. And uh, over these you know months that he was uh, going through treatment with RSO, he would have these beautiful, just heart opening moments where he would start talking to me about memories that I had, I mean, you know, you know, stories that I had never heard, memories of his childhood, um, what he thought happened after we, you know, passed away. Uh, we got to take the heaviness out of subjects like death, right? And, you know, we got to look at it as more of a celebration rather than a, a finite ending. And through this time, he also got to have closure with his grandchildren, his other children, my mother, me, and most importantly, his own mortality. And so through that time, you know, like I said, he was given until October. He was diagnosed July 9th. He was given until Halloween, basically. He ended up lasting all the way until the end of June the following year. And I don't know if I would have gotten that time with my dad if it wasn't for cannabis. And so that alone allowed me to see the true power of cannabis just in able to, like, you know, help people through end of life. But the other thing was watching the connection building power of cannabis, right? The ability for me to connect to myself connect to my father 
and actually be present to engage in the process of closure and grieving before he had even passed away. So that by the time he actually passed away, it really was just a celebration. You know, we celebrated his life. It was beautiful. He got to pass in our home the exact way he wanted to with his dignity and his head of hair because he had a great head of hair and he really <laughs> he wanted to die with his hair. So it was just a beautiful, beautiful experience. And after that, I realized like, wow, we are not getting the full story behind this plant. And unlike psilocybin and other plants like this, I truly believe that cannabis is a little shy. Like you don't just interact with the plant and see its full power, right? It doesn't really happen like that. You have to build this relationship and there has to be some, some vulnerability and, you know, these kind of things included into it. And that's a lot of what I've been, you know, building with Connect with Cannabis and these kind of things is how do we replicate these types of experiences with cannabis over and over again so that we can really maximize the potential of cannabis's connection healing power. And so after he passed, I ended up working at a dispensary for five years with over 5,000 medical patients, working with them with a range of different stuff of holistic health and mindfulness and all these things that most bud tenders are just not aware of. And at the same time, I was working in cultivation there with thousands of plants and they were growing chemical salts. So it wasn't really my, my forte. So I ended up being a patient care advocate uh, much more of the time, but it was an incredible experience to be able to help so many people and see so many trends and correlations um, with cannabis. And so in 2019, our dispensary got bought out by a corporation. And in the moment, this was a very frustrating thing for me because I had tried to escape the corporate life my entire life, thought I had landed in the cannabis world, the corporations will never get here. And now I just started to realize they were getting bought up the same way. So at that time, I got triggered so fucking hard that I ended up buying tickets to MJ BizCon with my girlfriend and another one of our buddies, uh, Devin, who worked at the dispensary. And uh, we decided to go out there, find our own investors, bring love-grown cannabis to the world and just send it. So we go out there and to our surprise, it's like pretty much every Chad and Brad in the world is out there, right? So it's like, how many grams per square foot can you get me? And just all this like very big jargon talk. And I realized real quickly that like the industry that I loved was not the industry I was going to be in for much longer. And so I had this huge, huge identity crisis. I had this like, you know, dark night of the soul in Vegas. I'm like, what the hell do I do? So last night there, you know, our dreams kind of dying in front of us. I asked Rachel, I'm like, you know, it's our last night here. What do you want to do? She's like, we take some MDMA and go to the strip club. I'm like, fuck yeah, right? And as innocent as my sound, <laughs> I had never been in a strip club. She'd never been to one. So we just decided to go fuck it, right? Now, what I want to highlight here is that when I had gone to Vegas, I had expectations of how things were going to go. And when those expectations fell through, I left and lost all those expectations. And then I decided to do something that was not attached at all to what I came out there for, which was go to the strip club. So I go there with Rachel. We have a blast talking to the strippers, having a great time. But we lose track of time and we end up leaving way too late, right? So our flight was at one the next day. We end up leaving at like eight in the morning. So Rachel was working on a 600 page application for a Chicago, Illinois dispensary. Talk about fucking boring. Holy shit, right? Terribly <laughs> boring. So she was planning on working that on the plane. She goes through this, like in the strip club, she realizes what time it is. She's like, oh my God. She goes through this process. And in that moment, what happened was because of the MDMA, because of cannabis, I empathized with her. And when that happened, I realized, holy shit, what is happening right now? What is this? What is this feeling? What are feelings? I, I don't think I've felt this in a long time. And I started asking myself, why? Right? Like, why am I able to feel this right now? What's changing, right? Other than being on MDMA, of course. So this, this question starts ruminating. And I start having this very interesting feeling happen where have you ever had kind of the world caving in around you, but you somehow find the eye of the storm and everything is okay? That starts happening. I start getting a migraine. I have very little sleep. I'm a sleep prima donna. So like, you know, all these things start happening, but I'm in like a bliss moment. 
and I start communicating with what I believe to be my soul. And so I start asking, like, what just happened? And my soul goes, well, you've been numbing out your emotions since your father passed away, right? Like there's been a lot more that you've needed to grieve that you haven't given yourself time for. And you have a really good story for why you haven't had time to do that, right? Oh, I'm too busy. I'll do it later. All these things. And your medicine to numb out with has been cannabis. So I go, holy shit, right? So on the plane ride home, I make a commitment. I'm going to stop smoking cannabis when I get home. So I get home. I stop smoking cannabis for a total of three months. And the first month and a half, I was like, oh, my goodness. I had an identity crisis because I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm going to quit cannabis for the rest of my life. Cannabis did this to me. I was playing the victim. Then after about a month and a half, I have this experience where I just have this like, I don't know what to call it really, but just this awareness of like, oh, shit, this is actually a me issue. And if I keep blaming external circumstances like cannabis or being busy or, you know, my dad dying or any of this stuff, all I'm doing is giving all my power away. And in that moment, I said, what would happen if I choose to believe that all of this is my fault? And if it's my fault, it's also my job to fix it and my opportunity to fix it. And that really started what everything of what I'm doing now, because then after about another month and a half, I decided to start reacclimating cannabis back into my life. And I made a structure and discipline to do so. I stuck to what I said I was going to do. I didn't interact with cannabis Monday through Friday. I interacted on weekends because my biggest pattern was to numb out when stress arose. And that uh, at that time, the biggest stress of my life was between Monday and Friday when I was working. So I started doing that and I started being much more intentional with cannabis, I started being much more intentional in life. I went through this gigantic spiritual awakening right at the end of nine, uh, 2019, early 2020. And so during this time, I start just pouring my heart out on social media. And at that time, I only had Facebook. So one day, as fate would have it, I had listened to this guy, Mark England, on a podcast three years prior with Rachel. We both loved it. So one day I'm pouring my heart out and talking about how language architects our reality and someone comments and goes, whoa, where did you hear that from? I tag Mark Dillon. Hey, check this guy's workout. An hour later, I get my first voice note ever on Facebook. And me and Mark joke that this is the only positive thing that Facebook's ever done, right? <laughs> and so I get this voice note from him. He's like, hey, man, I really like what you're saying. We should hop on a call. I'm like, Holy shit, this is cool. So I hop on a call with Mark. He's like, hey, man, uh, have you ever thought about being a coach? And when he says that, I'm like, soccer coach? I'm like, like a gym coach? I'm like, I'm like, I have no idea, but I'm like, sure, right? Because I just have the feeling to say yes. Well, he tells me about his program and lifted, and something in me just says, fucking do this, right? Because I'm in this totally new world now. I'm like, fuck it. I'm throwing everything to the wind. Identity is changing. Let's just do it. So I hop into the program. I start having all of these awarenesses. This is January of 2020, right? And I start feeling like I really want to do this work. I start getting into a couple other certifications. And then I was looking to leave the dispensary. All of a sudden, the world gets shut down, right, from the pandemic, right? Dispensary, I have to leave the dispensary. Uh, all these kind of things happen, and now I have all this time. And I start meeting all these new people on the interwebs, right? I mean, through Mark Circles and everything like that. So over the next six months, I start doing uh, a couple of different rounds of Enlifted and just different experiences, things like that. And then in August, Mark invites me down to his lake house with a bunch of other guys. I go down there, meet all the guys that I've been seeing on Zoom screen, and from that moment forward, the next two years I spent just going from thing to thing to thing, just traveling, building my business, meeting people, networking, learning things. Like every event I'd go to, someone would be like, hey, we're all going to like Utah in two weeks. You down? I'm like, fuck yeah. And I go to Utah and they're like, hey, we're going to Mexico next. Do you want to go? I'm like, hell yeah. And it was just two years of just like what I thought was like, I should be probably home building my business, but this feels right. And what did I, what did I actually do? 
I actually built all the connections that allowed me to have a business. And so it's been absolutely amazing. There's so many more side quests within everything I said, but try to keep it as short as possible. But that is how I got to your screen today. And, and the one thing I wanted to add in too is throughout this whole time, I'm starting to get into coaching and I'm going to these circles and I'm bringing my cannabis with me and everyone's just so into talking about cannabis with me. And in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm leaving this all behind. Like, I want to get into coaching. It took me about a year and a half to realize that I was going to be a cannabis coach. I didn't know that. Even, I mean, I pretty much created that whole field. And, you know, it was really my friend Kim, who the first time was like, have you ever thought about doing coaching for cannabis? I feel like I could use that. And so we tried it out and it worked amazing. And then I started meeting Paul Check and people like that. And he was like, dude, when are you going to put a program together with this? You're built for this. And so it was kind of like I, I fought it tooth and nail until I allowed it and uh, and everything else happened as the result. So it's been amazing. Two podcasts, two programs, one on one practice. It's just been wild, man. <laughs> that was fucking beautiful, brother. There's so many rabbit holes I could go through from that <laughs> intro. It was amazing. First off, I want to uh, thank you for your vulnerability and the, the sharing with your father and everything. So that's actually I think you took the right route with allowing him to just, you know, just keep your lifestyle, but let's see if we can prolong it and make some connections. That was, that was beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, stepping into over to where you did the coaching program was that, so that wasn't, doesn't sound like that was revolved around cannabis. That was just you taking the leap on like, what was that like health coaching or what was that? Yeah. So Enlifted is a, uh, is essentially mindset coaching, but what they're doing is using a four-step process they call the Enlifted method. But really it's like looking at these unconscious stories that are running in the background of our lives and then breaking them down with breath and down regulations so that we can actually process the emotion underlying them so we can allow us to feel it, to heal it really. And so it's this beautiful modality that I've used a lot of my language training with Enlifted and I'm very close to them. Like I, I promote them everywhere. They promote me everywhere. Just we have a very tight bond. I'm actually going down there for my birthday in a couple of weeks. Um, but, you know, it's like I use a lot of that language stuff in my coaching with cannabis in the program and allow people like, first of all, I imagine for a lot of your listeners, I imagine for you, like we all have a cannabis story, right? That oftentimes has shame, has guilt, has apathy, these very lower vibrational, dense emotional states that a lot of times can prohibit people from being able to fully connect with the plant because unconsciously they're always a little bit ashamed of it because they were told that it made people lazy. It was a stupid drug. Uh, they were told they could be arrested for it. They had to hide it. Um, you know, it wasn't acceptable by society. So a lot of this stuff plays out really well. And again, like I just used intuition, right? And just followed the thread. And now like looking back, I'm like, holy shit, everything I did really played into the whole of what I'm doing now. And it's just, it's amazing when you look back and you have those moments where you can literally have the experience of your life being a movie and you not only being the narrator, but being the main character, the director and all the other roles. Pretty fucking interesting, man. It's I mean, it's a psychedelic experience. <laughs> <laughs> Pun intended. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that, no, that's amazing. And it, you could tell that you you're really good with articulation and language. So that probably serves you well in uh, coming over to the cannabis coaching and everything and all the program you started. We'll get into how your programs look later. Um, I want to kind of touch on, so you took a break and I like that you started to realize that these kind of like you were using something to kind of numb out and you weren't really taking any accountability for what you were feeling. And that's what I felt like um, I, I was when I was using drugs and drinking all the time and smoking all the time. And, you know, you blame like, you know, I, I didn't have my father around and, or you blame not getting enough emotion when you're younger. And it's like, 
all right, you can live with that and just do that forever. Or there's got to be a time where you man the fuck up, you do some meditation, you get into some yoga. I don't know if it takes plant medicines. I think that actually like festivals and MDMA kind of opened me, sparked me and I was kind of overusing it, but it, it, it brought up a different emotion compared to like the drugs I had previously been using. So it's interesting mm -hmm. that you kind of had a revelation like that as well, because I felt like I kind of processed like my life a little bit. Sometimes when I was at these festivals on MDMA, I'm like, what the, I, I'm mm -hmm. like, I've done a lot of drugs. Nothing's ever felt like this and nothing's really got me tapped into like, what am I actually doing? So MDMA is an interesting drug that I would love to try, like the MDMA, like uh, the psychotherapy and stuff. I would yeah. love to try that one day. Yeah. But I want to ask you, actually, so once you came back into using cannabis, I know you said you only use it on the weekends. Was there like some like ceremonial kind of like aspect to it? Was it uh, intentional? How What did that look like? Yeah, it's a great question. And, uh, you know, it's funny with MDMA, too. I'll touch on for a second, like. You know, when when I think of like uh, drugs, medicine, substances, et cetera, like MDMA, I've definitely had plenty of fun with at like festivals, things like that. And also at the same time, though, in a very paradoxical way, every time I interact with MDMA, I, I don't go out there expecting this, but I have some of the biggest like huge life revelations ever that take me months to integrate after. And that's why I don't sit with MDMA too often, because every time it's like, all right, I got a year's worth of stuff now to integrate. And so. <laughs> Cool that you've uh, experienced that too. It's kind of like a sleeper part of it because I think a lot of people think of MDMA as just this like party drug, and but it, but I mean it has great utility for a lot of different things. So I'm glad you've had that experience too. And you know when it comes to um, how I got into this stuff, like you know also when I when I start when I started interacting with cannabis again, it was right about at the end of March, right around there of 2020. So you figure like I have all this like a lot of my excuses went away. I no longer could go to concerts. I no longer could go to work. I no longer could even like go to clean my car or like even go to the grocery store as much or any of these kind of things, right? So I had all of this time from which to actually like sit and think and read and study about stuff. And so I had been very big on the concept of intention, um, a lot from Enlifted and also just from like my own personal practices with Paul Check's teachings and things like that. So it just dawned on me that like, why have I never included intention with cannabis before? So I started doing that. And the first time I did it, I had this huge breakthrough where all of a sudden now I was able to co-communicate with the plant. Right. And so like now what had been a one sided conversation before of just like, let me numb out and just forget my shitty day. Right. Had actually now become like, hey, cannabis, why did this come up for me? And and really like the best thing that I think cannabis is not well known for, but it, I think it really does well is shadow work, because with a lot of uh, psychedelics like psilocybin and LSD, that shadow work can be very daunting with cannabis you can dose it properly where yeah it's still challenging but it's not like you're tripping balls and going through shadow stuff you know what i mean it's like at least you're only dealing with one of it at a time um <laughs> and so what happened was i just started doing simple intentions and creating a ceremonial setting now when i describe ceremony what i describe it as is you know kind of like get all the 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 weeds out of the uh, out of the conversation pardon the pun um is that Ceremony for me is a container, uh, an intentional container from which your intention can play out within, right? So for instance, if I want to uh, gain some inner awareness, right? Like I want to maybe figure out why a certain part of my body is tight or something like that. I'm probably not going to have a setting of a concert. You know what I mean? I'm probably not going to have a setting of even hanging out with people. I'm probably going to have a ceremonial setting of being in a room, alone, a mat, 
you know, uh, seven directional prayer, sage, palo santo, biogeometry, these kind of things, right? So when I talk about ceremony, I'm specifically referring to like the setting that's uh, that your intention is playing out within and the process you go through within that, right? So for me, how that ceremony looked the first time was a simple body scan. And this is now module one in Connect with Cannabis. It's our baseline ceremony. So in a body scan, all you're doing is you're just gaining awareness. And my whole message is that cannabis is the ultimate self-awareness tool. Uh, and it's very good for self-realization. And so in the body scan, all you're doing is you're making an intention on the flower. You're connecting with the plant after, you know, for me, I like doing a seven directional prayer and doing sage and Palo Santo. I'm not a fan of saying there's a right or wrong way to do this stuff. So for anyone, I, I want to make sure that people know, like make it your own. But for me, this is how I do it. Uh, and then I will lay down and I'll just start breathing and doing like some down regulatory breathing. And then I'll just wait for whatever sensation maybe is already there or presents itself first. And I'll just start getting curious about that sensation, not with an agenda to fix it or that it's fucked up or that, you know, having any story around it, but just like, let me observe it and see what happens. And what I started noticing when I would do that is that, oh, the sensation will move. Oh, like, this is really cool. And this is like psychosomatics. So it's not like, you know, something that only works with cannabis, but I noticed that compared to the times I was doing it sober, it was much easier to get into my body. And a big reason why that is, is because scientifically speaking, when you interact with cannabis, you're moving from a beta brainwave state into an alpha and theta wave state, mostly alpha, but you're entering the doorway to the subconscious, right? And the subconscious is the body, right? So when you're interacting with cannabis, it's this amazing thing to increase somatic awareness in the body. And for most of us, especially men, but women too, a lot of us are up here all the time, right? So should we need cannabis to do this? Absolutely not. But... For a lot of us, it can definitely be the teacher that leads us and how to interact with our normal sober state of reality in a way to be more somatically aware. And so that's my big message with cannabis is not that you need the plant to do any of this, not that you should rely on it to do any of this. But for a lot of us, we're in need of a good teacher to remind us of how to really like, you know, like maximize the potential of being a human being with regards to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being. And so for me, that's what intention and ceremony look like. And the most important part, because our three-step process is literally intention, ceremony, and then integration. Uh, we can get more into the integration part, but then afterwards I would be integrating and really figuring out <coughs> how this experience I just had and the main awareness I gained from it, I can integrate into my life for continued maximum benefit, you know, because I don't want my life to only be feel like it's on the right track or feeling like I'm moving forward when I'm getting high, right? Like I want to learn from that experience and then allow my entire life in my sober state of reality to become a psychedelic experience. You know, like I truly feel that our innate state of being as human beings is joy. And I think that gets clouded over with stories and shit and limiting beliefs and all this stuff, right? So ideally, I don't want to interact with anything to be able to access joy all the time. I want to interact with certain things, whether it be mentors, coaches, teachers, modalities, plant medicines, et cetera, to wipe away the dirty windshield so that I can see clearly through it back to joy. You know, that's my ultimate intention. And so that's a little bit of how I got started with the intention and what the ceremony looks like and, you know, why I'd integrate after. Yeah, that's super amazing. And I, I dig all that stuff because um, obviously being a combo practitioner, I keep it pretty ceremonial. I use mm. some biohacks and stuff with mine. I'm kind of like a blend of like uh, ceremonial and, and uh, jungle style vibes with like some Hell modern, yeah. like I use grounding mats and PM. I'm, I'm going to get a new PMF mat because I think that might help. So I'm a little bit of like, how can we biohack this thing, but also yeah. make it real ceremonial. So <laughs> I really respect that you're kind of doing that with cannabis. This is a question I think a lot of people would want to know. So like what 
does like intentional ceremonial? What does like a dose look like? Because you got people out here smoking two blunts back to back mm-hmm. or two spliffs or whatever's going on. Like, what's a dose look like for you? Yeah. So the doses vary, but what I will say overall is that the dose should be what's appropriate for your specific intention, right? <clears throat> and that's part of being conscious with cannabis. It's not about saying that it has to be a certain size dose, but it's about saying like, for instance, let's say you have an intention to work out a challenge with a loved one. Maybe it's your partner, romantic partner. So <clears throat> you have this challenge and you want to interact with cannabis, uh, allow yourselves to enter a different perspective and be able to talk this through. Well, it probably wouldn't be conducive to eat like a 200 milligram edible or smoke like a joint <laughs> each for that, right? Now, again, everyone's tolerance levels are different and everyone's endocannabinoid system makeup is different. So that's why it's hard to say exactly what a dose is, but essentially you want to be doing minimum effective dosing, right? That doesn't necessarily mean microdosing, but it means minimum effective dose. So for everyone, this is going to look a little bit different, but to give you some insights of how this looks for me, I only use a volcano. I just absolutely love it. Um, not only is vaporizing healthier, um, I also, being a cannabis snob and a grower, I like to really taste the terpenes. I think that's a part of the overarching full spectrum experience. And so for me, a volcano, it's healthier, it's more efficient and effective, and it preserves the terpenes and flavonoids as well and other secondary metabolites. And you can also gauge the temperature to burn off certain compounds of the cannabis plant, depending on if you don't want Delta 9 THC, depending on if you want everything, you can kind of mix and match the temperature to fit your needs. And so it's just a great, great device. Um, and so for me, what I will do is if I'm doing something with Rachel, let's say my partner, uh, we'll go through two bags, which is about probably 0.3 altogether in a bowl, and we can get two bags out of it. And so we'll go through that together, and then we'll be able to either talk, Sometimes we do amazing lovemaking sex stuff, which is incredible. And cannabis definitely helps with that. Sometimes we'll be going on a walk at the end of like a Friday or something if it's nice out. Um, you know, there's a whole lot of different things we're doing. But ideally, we want to be able to be completely functional for those types of intentions. Now, let me tell you a little bit of where it might be different. So let's say I have an intention to actually have a full-blown psychedelic experience with cannabis, which I honestly don't fully recommend uh like there's easier plants to work with in a psychedelic dose not to say that people should be afraid of doing that with cannabis but for most people eating a large dose of cannabis is going to be a big challenge like even for people like aubrey marcus he's like dude i've had almost a field trichotomy in the bush after getting (laughs) overdosed with combo he's like that was a cakewalk compared to eating too big of an edible you know and so it can be a very challenging medicine to work with at higher doses but at the same time, it's also, in my experience, one of the ones with the biggest return and return on investment, if you will. Um, it's just that it can be very daunting. So what I like doing is something in between a micro and macro dose. Like I call it like medium dosing, you know? And so whatever that is for everyone, like, you know, it's almost the same, the same type of concept as people talk about with a comfort zone. If you want like continued benefit, you don't, if your comfort zone is here, you don't want to be way out here because you're going to get diminished in return. You're going to burn out. You're going to scare yourself, traumatize yourself, whatever, right? But you do want to be like right here, right, right here, just enough out that it's practical, it's easily integratable, and it's sustainable, right? So for me, if I normally do two bags, maybe that would be doing three, maybe three and a half, right? Just so maybe I get a little bit of rapid heartbeat because cannabis does trigger the sympathetic nervous system on onset, which a lot of people don't know uh, offhand because they think of it as this relaxing thing. But maybe it'll be a little bit that, so I have to go lay down, but it's not going to be so much that the entire room is spinning and I have to clutch for dear life. You know, so that's a lot of what it looks like for me. And for anyone listening, what I recommend is, you know, it's always a little bit of trial and error. But remember this, you can always take more. 
it's hard to redo and take some off if you went too deep. It's not impossible. I have ways in which to do that. Um, for anyone listening, there's a couple different ways. Number one, always return to the breath. If you slow your breath down, you will slow your nervous system down. That is the best physiological state change you can do whenever you're having a challenge with anything in life, but especially plant medicines. Number two, nano-encapsulated CBD. If you eat nano-encapsulated CBD, it will act as a counteractive uh, to Delta-9-THC. And then the last one that's Willie Nelson's personal trick is chewing on black peppercorns. Personally, it's a little <laughs> gross, but it does work. Uh, and so if you do find yourself gone too far, you can definitely do those things. Um, also, the mantra, I took a medicine and the medicine is working. That one has been very, very powerful for me. Um, but ideally, you want you like, I don't want anyone to be traumatized from cannabis, right? Like, so, you know, again, there's no race to this. You can, you know, do a minimum effective dose. Just see like, okay, let me try five milligrams. Let me try 10 or whatever it is for you. Find your level of just being a little outside the comfort zone. And that is the sweet spot I've found. Yeah, that that's beautiful. And I know um, you talked about this with Paul Check, and it's actually my favorite way to do cannabis is um, mixing it with a little bit of organic tobacco. Why don't you yeah. tell us why people should think about uh, trying out a blend like that? Yeah, you know, I'm glad you brought up tobacco because people need not look farther than tobacco and the tobacco industry to understand what could happen to cannabis, right? So for a lot of people, like they just think tobacco, cancer, cigarettes. Well, well, actually, what you're getting in cigarettes is very little tobacco and also a lot of other chemicals and a lot of bullshit, right? Uh, a lot of blunt wraps are not actually even a tobacco leaf. They're like a random piece of paper with tobacco juice sprayed on it. So we're not interacting with organic tobacco is what I wanted to pretty much make clear. And so organic tobacco has been used for thousands upon thousands of years. It's a very masculine medicine. It's a very good grounder. Um, but also... It is very dependent forming if you're not aware of it, right? I've definitely gone through my challenges with nicotine. So again, just like cannabis, with great power comes great responsibility. But here's why you would or would not want to mix it with tobacco. So for me, cannabis sends me, uh, it's very feminine and it sends me kind of like this way, like out of my, uh, out of my like, not like out of my body, because it definitely brings me into my body, but it's, it's a very like, um, uh, dissociative experience in a, in a lot of ways, right? Whereas cannabis, I mean, sorry, tobacco can actually help you keep your feet on the ground. So if you're looking to have a deep psychedelic journey with cannabis, I would not recommend including tobacco into it, right? If you're looking to have like a full on ceremony where you're meditating and really going deep, do not include tobacco. But on the other hand, if you're looking to be at a concert or a social engagement or have a conversation with your partner, like I was laying out before, tobacco can be a fantastic additive. And the reason why is because not only does it allow your feet to stay on the ground, but also nicotine is a mild stimulant, right? Maybe not so mild, depending on how much you do. And so it can be a great counteractive, like, you know, opposite side of the pendulum for cannabis's yin properties. Cannabis is very yin, tobacco is very yang. Uh, even though it's, it is yang, but it does, I mean, like if you smoke tobacco, it's not like you want to go run upstairs, right? It's, but it will ground you. It's a very masculine presence. And so that's why you either would or would not want to include tobacco. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of different shamans that talk about this. And, you know, I personally love a good spliff here and there. Uh, I'm currently on a nicotine cleanse um, because I found that it was getting its way too far into my life. So I've been taking a couple of months off. But you I, know, I think cleanse too, I think, dude, I mean, well, you know what the problem nicotine. Was? Oh, it's amazing. You know what I got into mm -hmm. was uh, I got into the Lucy gum. And for podcast, bro, fuck, it is so good. Yeah, dude, you know it. <laughs> and so that mixed with, have you tried the uh, the Zen spray from MitoZen? Been using that thing stuff for like a year. Uh, yeah, I use the suppositories from Dr. John, the NAD, and mm -hmm. I use the nasal spray. It's amazing. 
Dude, I fell in love with that nasal spray to a degree where it was okay. I was just using it once a day before meditating. When I got off the nicotine gum and I stopped vaporizing tobacco, um, all of a sudden that became my only nicotine source. And I ended up hitting it like five or six times a day. And it was fucking oh, great, good. but it's too expensive. <laughs> you know, like I actually enjoyed the effect of it. I thought it was great, um, but it was just too fucking expensive. So I was like, you know what? I need a good cleanse from all of this so I can appreciate it again and be respectful with it. Because again, it's like, you know, nicotine is so good. Like, Cannabis for me is very easy to take breaks from now because it's honestly not good for a lot of the things that I love most in life, like doing podcasts, working, being on coaching calls. Like it's not really the best for that. Nicotine, on the other hand, I could have the excuse that it's good for all of that and more, you know? And so that's why with nicotine, I, you know, again, with great power comes great responsibility and you have to know yourself and tell yourself the truth, right? Like it's so true. The truth will set you free. And so for a while I was not telling myself the truth about it. And as soon as I did, I was like, all right, let's just get it out of here. And so you know, again, nothing about tobacco's fault. It was all a me problem, just like with tobacco, with, with cannabis. But uh, I'm really grateful for that awareness and also for the role that tobacco has played in my life and for the role that it will continue to play once I get myself to a point where I can be more respectful with it and more balanced. Yeah, that's amazing. And that, that's how I, I like it. And then maybe I was like unconscious when I did it. But then I heard Paul talking about it before you even your podcast. He spoke mm -hmm. about how Organic tobacco has all these properties that you, we think of just nicotine as like being a stimulant, but then the full plant has all of these like grounding and feminine properties in it as well. And so that's when I got into trying that and I was smoking my corn cob pipe with just tobacco and no cannabis. And because yeah. uh, I kind of don't smoke as much cannabis, I only do CBD. So I would like, mm. put some CBD <laughs> flour in there with it. And I even like that. That was very like calming. It just like CBD yeah. flour and tobacco. It was, it was nice actually just kind of relaxing after a long day. It actually, uh, did me really well. I haven't done that in a while, but uh, yeah, I wanted to kind of touch on the tobacco because I think it's it's a good blend and it's probably amazing in a vaporizer, I bet. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Like the volcano. I mean, Paul is a huge fan of tobacco and a volcano. He's actually, he's not the one that got me into it, but technically he is um, because when in 2020, when I went down to Mark's lake house for the first time, I used to be a cigarette smoker way back in the day. So I'm talking, I've gone 10 years at this point with no nicotine, none. Haven't even thought about it in years. I go down there and my buddy Danny, who's now one of my best friends and in Connect with Cannabis right now, he has a volcano, which I hadn't hit a volcano in forever. I had one on my shelf that my uncle gave me years ago and uh, and he's vaporizing tobacco with it. I'm like, what the hell, right? So uh, I start hitting it. I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. Then I start uh, hanging out with my buddy Eddie Moore and he's also a Czech guy. Uh, and also Danny learned about this from Mike Bloodsoe, who learned it from Czech. And then my buddy Eddie learned it right from Czech. And so I start just getting into the wavelength. And it's funny, <laughs> we joke about that, like, literally Czech getting into vaporizing tobacco. You can credit him for why all of these people have volcanoes and vaporized tobacco now. It's it's pretty funny. Like, it's an inside thing that, like, is really funny that no matter who I go to in the Czech circles, they're all like, hey, you want to make a bag? I'm like, oh, you too? You know, it's so <laughs> funny, man. But I love CBD flour, too. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, and I think uh, Czech, I, when I first originally heard him talking about the the bags and nicotine, he said, I think you get less of the nicotine and more of the tobacco part. So it's a little bit easier to kind of give up because you're only getting like 30% of the nicotine or something like that. So I found that interesting that I was like, maybe I'm going to buy me a volcano one day and play around with that. Yeah, man. And also the, the tobacco that he prefers, um, which is honestly the best tobacco I've ever had. Uh, it's from a company called Racine and Laramie in Old Town, San Diego, and it's called Northern Shag. And it's the 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 blend that actually has the least nicotine in it. Um, and so with the, the with the volcano combined with that strain, 
Um, yeah, it's, it's very low nicotine content. Like, I mean, there are other strains from them that like, you know, I tried their Dutch, their London, uh, the Dutch is just so thick. It's like chocolatey. And when you hit that, especially in the morning, I mean, you, you will be, you will be sat down from it for sure. You know, <laughs> it's pretty strong. So yeah, the Northern's nice. Doesn't yeah. I looked up and I ordered a couple blends from that, from, uh, it was like a tobacco shop that carried it and they just sent me a couple bags of the Norwegian and, and, and uh, I can't remember the other name. I know I got the Norwegian one for sure. So yeah, that's a, that's a good tobacco. I like it for sure. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. There's a question I think most people probably listening are going to want to know is like, how do you help someone like identify when they're overusing cannabis? Um, how do you help them like take breaks or, you know, at least bring to their awareness that they're being a little dependent on cannabis? Yeah, it's a great question. So what I tell everyone is it's never my job to tell you if you're a dependent. It's my job to invite you to contemplate on things and potentially maybe trigger you too, right? Because I know that a lot of how I've got to where I at is because I got triggered like fuck and it just <laughs> called me to make a change or you know prove the other person wrong and then in doing so i was like oh fuck actually and now i know why i feel so attacked because it was accurate you know and so uh first thing i want to say is if anyone's listening to this feeling that way uh just know that i know what that feels like and the invitation is to just start asking why why do i feel so triggered over this right now um again not because i'm telling you that you are or because it's right or wrong to be smoking weed all day every day but just because if you're truly not happy then there's something you got to change. If you're happy with it, keep doing it, whatever. But um, for me, what I tell everyone, a good baseline, and I got this from Paul too, we've talked about this, is anything you can't take three days off of owns you. And so if your goal is to be in a co-communicative, conscious relationship with cannabis, you cannot allow something to own you. You can't be codependent. It's the same way that if you want to have a really beautiful romantic relationship, you can't be codependent with that person because the second you're codependent with them, they're not fully able to reveal their full self to you because they'll be worried that if they say the wrong thing that you might like off yourself or any of these kind of things, right? So it's a very surface level connection that you'll be able to have. Very similar with cannabis. Like I said before, cannabis is a very shy spirit combined compared to other plant medicines in my experience. And so if you really want to feel the full power of the plant, well, it's very important that you set yourself structure and discipline. So for anyone, this might look very different. You know, for me, it looks like not interacting with cannabis normally, at least Monday through Thursday, most of the time, Monday through Friday as well. In the winter, sometimes I go a little bit deeper into Friday, Saturday, and Sunday because, hey, it's hibernation season. So I'm going to go into ceremony a little bit more and see what I can figure out. Um, but that's what it looks like for me, you know. But what I tell people is, you know, uh, if you can take three days off per week in a row, you're in a pretty good spot. And also the reason for doing that is not just because it's objectively the right answer. It's just my way of doing it. But um, the reason is because if you can take a minimum of a three day break, it will preserve and enhance the transcendental and spiritual properties of cannabis to work as a spiritual aid and ally in your life. So when you look at like indigenous cultures and sh uh, shamanic culture and all these kind of things, they all talk about how they would interact with cannabis two or three times per week. And that's how they would keep this like very beautiful relationship of this ability for it to be a tool for self-awareness in their life and all these kind of things. So again, not right or wrong, but that's like how I identify it for people. And I ask them like, you know, just straight up this question. I go, are you happy with how much you connect with cannabis? And most of the time they'll say no, right? They're like, no, I actually, I am not. Now this can be two different things. They could actually be very much over consuming cannabis. They could actually have what I would deem a pretty healthy relationship with the plant, but be going through a lot of shame and guilt around the fact that they're interacting with the plant at all. 
So regardless of whatever, you know, kind of like fork in the road they go down, um, we'll be able to get them help. And, and the way in which I do that is a, is a process that I call a highly optimized way, which is right. Like, and, and we do this through the program a little bit different, but I'll tell anyone like a way to get started right now, which we call the highly optimized way, which is taking a minimum three day break per week. Right. And then when you do interact with cannabis, following that three step process, we uh, breezed over earlier, which is intention, ceremony, integration. Right. That's all you need to do to have a conscious relationship with the plant. But one of the first things you want to figure out is like I talk about this a lot, that it's not that anyone I've ever met has a problem with cannabis. They have a problem that cannabis is helping them with. That's actually what it is, or that they're lying to themselves and saying cannabis is helping them with. So it's not that anyone wakes up one day and goes, you know what I think I'll do? I think I'll spend shit tons of money and just smoke weed all day because I'm super happy. And that's what super happy people do. No, it's what <laughs> people that are living in discomfort do. Right. And so if you want to figure out why you're interacting with so much cannabis, the last thing you want to do is just keep focusing on not smoking weed all the time, but not dealing with whatever made you smoke weed in the beginning. Right. Because what's going to happen is you're just going to find something else, maybe a healthier vice, but you'll find something else. I remember for me way back in the day, it was like, you know, it was cannabis or it was exercising all the time or it was, you know, coffee or any of these kind of things. Right. And so it was like whack-a-mole. I'd stop cannabis and then I'd, I'd be drinking three coffees the next day. I'd stop that. I'd be back to cannabis. I'd stop both of those. And then I'd be on it exercising so much that I got tendonitis. Right. It was like, so it was like, what the hell is going on here? And finally it came out where it was like, oh, you still have emotions about your dad dying, you know? And so for me, like once I figured that out, well, now it's not like poof, I was magically just not dependent on cannabis, but I knew what I had to go actually get work done with and what I had to focus on to start making it easier and to find more confidence in getting off of cannabis. And so that's what I would say to everyone is first figure out what the plant is doing for you. And the great part is you can actually ask the plant this and you'd be amazed what will come forth. So follow that three-step process, ask the plant what the plant is doing for you. When you find, when you feel like you have an answer, take a three-day break after that, right? And just try it out and try like, you know, again, this is where therapy works really well, working with a coach. What we do in the program is we have 12 weeks to bring you through unique ceremonies, all meant to bring up different things. And I'm there to actually help you integrate. I give you a one-on-one -on -one session where we get to deep dive into all the awareness you've been gaining and allow you to take off a lot of that weight you've been carrying. But that's as simple as it can be for sure. Yeah, that's amazing. And that's, that's a good baseline. I think, uh, Ben Greenfield, a lot of people talk about the taking three days off of something and I still have issues with my coffee and my nicotine, but you know, I'm going to get there one day. We're yeah. all, we're all striving towards that. Yes. I, I, I keep hearing that, uh, little saying in the back of my mind saying you should take a little break off this. So I'll get there one day. I'm in like the busiest period of my life. So it's kind of like, I'm like, oh, when, but maybe one day, I, I know one day, you know how it is, like building the business and the podcast, it's like a grind. And then like once stuff settles a little bit, I think I'll be able to kind of back off and do uh, do uh, things a little bit more conscious with some of my habits. But for now, I at least I'm aware of them and I own them at least. And the first step is a lot of people I think are just like super unconscious with like, mm. like oh, I'm not addicted to coffee or this. Or I'm like, yes, I think you are. And if you were, you admitted it to yourself, at least... I actually feel good because I know what I need to work on. And if you're super unconscious about it, I think um, <clears throat> that can be a slippery slope for sure. Absolutely, dude. Like, I love that you bring this up because for anyone listening, like, fuck anyone who tries to shame you over what truth you choose to tell yourself. Like, if you know that you are addicted to nicotine or, or cannabis or any of these things and you just go, yeah, right now I'm I'm addicted or dependent on this. And you know what? I'm okay with that right now. I'll handle that later then fuck what anyone else thinks, right? Like 
Does it mean it's the healthiest choice? Not necessarily, but it could also be the healthiest choice, right? Like the worst thing you can do is lie to yourself because how you do anything is how you do everything. So if you're lying to yourself about your addictions and dependencies, just guess where else you're lying to yourself. Probably fucking everywhere in your life. And that can be where you have a very big dark night of the soul. It was exactly what happened to me. And again, it was all amazing. I'm very grateful for it, but it was a lot harder than it had to be because I had lied to myself about so many things for so long that when it finally dawned on me, I mean, it was amazing in one sense, but it was also like, who the fuck am I? Like, I don't even know who I am without smoking weed every day and being the guy at the dispensary called Weed Jesus, which was the weirdest nickname to be called, by the way. I don't know how that started, but I mean, I have long hair and stuff, but it was just like really weird. But anyway, like when that happened, it was like everyone around me was like, what? Like, because I'd go to work and, you know, I'd be like, oh, I'm not interacting with cannabis anymore. And they'd be like, what? They're like, so when? You know, you, you have a drug test or something? I'm like, no, I'm just not doing it anymore. And they were like, okay. Like, and so it was very interesting. And so, yeah, I think the ultimate way we can liberate ourselves is telling ourselves the truth. And at the end of the day, like, you know, I really feel that there are certain things that a lot of us deal with in the modern day world that I don't know if we were ever meant to deal with as human beings, like how fast paced things are right now. Like there's a reason why a retreat is not done in Manhattan and like walking into the subway station. The retreat <laughs> is done when you pay for it. Guess where you're going? You're going to fucking nature somewhere. You're going to somewhere very quiet, right? So I think people ultimately understand that whenever they want to retreat or whenever they want to relax, they're not going to go to these places that they probably have to spend a lot of their life. And so that share, that tells us that like, hey, if where we actually want to go to recuperate and recharge is so different from a lot of the settings that we're spending our days in, well, no wonder life can be challenging, right? Doesn't mean that it's all bad. I fucking love technology. The fact we can do this, I'm very grateful for my life, but it just like, it allows us to gain more awareness around why some of us might be addicted to these things or feeling like we need caffeine. I mean, for me, like, Dude, I was off coffee for years and then uh, I met Rachel and uh, she liked espresso and she was like, let me introduce you to the world of lattes. And I was like, all right. And then I found that I really liked that one day per week. And then I got into drinking cacao because I really just missed having something hot, especially here in Boston in the winter, fucking cold as hell. And so I started drinking cacao and I fucking loved it. But then I ended up drinking it so much, right? Like, you know, one cup per day, but for like the last two years that I kind of just got sick of it. And then Rach and I just moved into this new place. We bought an espresso machine. And I'm just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to try drinking espresso <laughs> one per day, right? One per day. I'm going to see what happens. I've already felt the feeling of like, you could have another one today. I've already felt all that. And I've just said no to it, right? So again, know thyself. Know that this is my pattern. I'm probably going to try too much. Same with nootropics. That's why I had to get off those for a little while because I was just realizing like, fuck, it's not fun when I mix too many of that stuff together. So again, like by knowing yourself, it doesn't mean you're not going to mess up, right? But it means that you're going to be able to learn and just laugh about it after. So right now I'm trying caffeine on for size again, especially getting off nicotine, right? It was kind of like, you know, again, whack-a-mole, right? Okay, I got nicotine. All right, now I'm going to start caffeine again, but <laughs> so far it's working good, you know? And again, like, you know, I have no shame in it because I know who I am. You know, I'm not trying to be perfect by any means. And part of what I do is my hope is to be relatable to people out there. I don't ever want to seem like the guru has figured it all out and hasn't dealt with any of this stuff in years. Like I want to be the person that people go, Oh, I actually understand that guy. He seems like he could really help me out because he's not so far down the rabbit hole that he doesn't remember what it's like to still be in the throes of dependency and things like that. Like, you know, I still have thoughts come in where I could smoke cannabis every day and these kind of things, but I just choose not to now because <laughs> I know how to use discernment because I've been on both sides now and I know what I choose and what feels better.
Absolutely. And I, I'm in the same boat. And that's why I talk about doing the, you know, the Vicodins and Adderalls and drinking a fifth every night. And just, you know, because when I was growing cannabis, I was my own boss. No one could tell me shit. That was the fun <laughs> part. My 20s were fucking great looking back, but I was, you know, not really processing anything and just numbing out. But I mean, I did whatever the hell I wanted. I went to the Super Bowl. I mean, I would just go follow around and go watch the 49ers play wherever I wanted. I'd buy bottles at the club and go to festivals. I mean, it was like, fun in the moment and then you take a step back and you go dude you're being super destructive and then i got super sick and had lyme disease and everything and that's what kind of got me out of like even in them cycles at all because i didn't feel well and then but i do want like i want to share i'm not just this guy who talks to like functional health practitioners and wants to be a functional health coach and like all these things like i have a i want to be relatable and let people know that i fucked up for a long time i didn't really get my shit together till i was almost 30 and it took for me to get pretty sick to even get there and gain some clarity around it and then try some psychedelics and do I've been doing yoga for like six years and meditating for like five, six years. So like it took a lot and I still stumble and I still fall and I'm still working on it. So I'm not any not here to tell anybody anything, but I have learned a lot at, through my chronic illness. Like Lyme disease patients are some of the most well-informed people that I've ever met because it's a tricky thing and it's usually not only Lyme and there's chronic infections and heavy metals and mineral imbalances. And there's so much that goes into it to get well that you end up like feeling like you need to share what you've learned all around. And so I try to be relatable as well. And I think that's actually a message that's better received because most people didn't realize they wanted to be healthy when they were 12 and they've just been healthy their whole life. Like that's, that's very rare. Like I've been in Greenfield, like that's rare. Most people yeah. are fucked up somewhere. They've gotten sick. They were addicted to something. Like as humans, we like to beat our heads off the wall until it's like no longer serving us. Like down to the last minute, we're like about to crumble everything. And then we're like, shit, I better fix a few things in my life. So that's what I did. And that's what I think a lot of people do. So I try to be relatable with that for sure. Yeah. You know, pain is a great teacher if you allow it to be, you know, and you can either have it happen to you or for you, you know, and and again, I've, I've had plenty of experience having it happen to me and playing the victim card. And then I realized that no one's going to come save the day for me. You know, like I need to be my own biggest cheerleader. You know, it's a lot of like what being a, a fully conscious and sovereign human being is about is realizing that, yeah, if things aren't going your way, it is your fault. And yeah, that can sting. And so you realize that if it's your fault and you fucked it up, then you have all the ability to fix it. And so all the power is back in your hands. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, in the world right now, I definitely think if I could shake one thing into most people, it's like, stop playing the victim. It's not doing anything for you. Stop allowing people to make yourself a victim. Like it is such an epidemic that's not really being talked about where it sounds so attractive to think that you have no control over anything and that woe is me and the whole world hates you or is, you know, is just stacked against you. But guess what? Again, how you do anything is how you do everything. So if you choose to believe that, you're never going to have a life that you feel empowered with. You know, and I know because I lived my life that way for a while. And now, again, using discernment, I know what I choose, you know, based on the fact that I've had pain teach me that this is the way I want to go from now on. And so I love that you mentioned that because, again, like, I think this is what's great about, you know, the 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 movements I see right now with more podcasts and things like this is that, you know, it's it's leaving like the typical education system where the teacher is supposed to have their things together and their students. And now it's just people saying, hey, guys, uh, I've gone through this fucking shitty thing and I can help you go through it. And people are like, oh, thank fucking God. Right. And it's kind of the whole idea, <laughs> you know, therapy versus coaching is, you know, I trained to be a therapist and no knock on therapy. It's just, again, discernment. I choose coaching. I like it more. But, um, but, you know, with therapy, like 
they try to teach you a little bit about a lot of things so that hopefully, you know, if someone comes in with, you know, schizophrenia or, you know, anxiety or depression or whatever it is, um, you can help them with that. Whereas a coach goes, hey, man, I've done this one thing in my life. I've gone through this thing, Lyme disease. I've gone through cannabis dependency. I've gone through this thing and I can help you with that because I've actually gone through it. Right. And for me, I'd much rather listen to someone who's actually gone through what I'm going through than someone who's read about it in a textbook. And I think that's like one of the biggest things that's changing with the whole educational system and framework of how we educate ourselves and, you know, our society at large right now. And it's pretty cool. It's exciting times for sure. Yeah, for sure. And especially like when I'm doing like health coaching sometimes with people and it's like, hey, man, I slipped up. I went out to this EDM show and I had some pizza last night and then I had Chick-fil-A or whatever the fuck it is. I'm like, dude, that, that that's cool. You, you just you slipped up for a night. Now, don't let that be the next three days as well. How do you how do we get back on track? Yeah, at least your your awareness is there. You realize what it was. And in the moment you decided to do that. And if you're going to hate yourself for that, then you're going to spiral. But if you just acknowledge that and say, hey, man, I was having fun with my friends last night. I ate pizza and Chick-fil-A, whatever, dude. And now today I'm back on my protein. I'm back on my, my uh, you know, shakes. I'm going to try to do maybe might not work out if you're up till 7 a.m. But if you can get in <laughs> something, at least get a walk in the sunshine or something. But, you know, just like I try to tell people, like, you know, don't let one bad meal turn into a bad week or whatever. Like, it's just like, you got to get back on track the next day. Like I go out and have bread every once in a while at a steakhouse or, you know, a nice oh, butter yeah. cake dessert or chocolate dessert. And I know it's terrible, but I'm like, you know, if I did that every day, I would feel awful. But if I do that once in a while, when I go out, it's all cool. And, and, you know, the social setting with being with my wife and enjoying dessert and enjoying some wine, that's, that, that makes up for anything that could be negative in, in general anyways. Absolutely, man. I'm glad you brought that up too, because, you know, I really think that like, for instance, there's the 80, 20 rule and, and I enjoy that, but like, personally, I get a lot of fulfillment out of being super healthy. So I don't cheat too often, but when I do, the last thing I want to do is beat myself up for it. If I'm going to have cheesecake, or if I'm going to have something, I'm going to enjoy it so much. And I'm going to tell myself, right? I'm going to spell myself with language and tell myself this cheesecake or this Oreo or whatever it is that I'm choosing to cheat with is going to be the healthiest thing for my soul. My <laughs> soul is going to feel full from this. And if you choose to program yourself and intentionally tell yourself exactly how you're going to feel, well, then that food could actually be much healthier. Because I think that overall, if we follow the first hermetic principle, which is the universe is mental, right? The whole universe is mind. Well, then nothing is more powerful than the power of the mind. And so if you actually just tell yourself and you truly believe that that Oreo or whatever that is is going to be healthy for you, I really think that's how some people actually are able to smoke or drink or do these really unhealthy things for years and live to be 100. I think it's literally just they're like, dude, this is fucking good for me. I don't care what anyone <laughs> says. I choose to believe this is good for me. I really think it's that simple. Like, I literally think that you can have all the signs, you can have all these things. But at the end of the day, if you choose to believe something is healthy for you within reason, of course, right? Like, oh, I'm going to do heroin now. Like, eh, probably not. because You're probably going to die. Right. But like I'm talking about with like Oreos, things like that, like. You know, and again, like if you choose to believe it's healthy and you know how to be structured and disciplined with it, you can get very far, you know, because again, there was, you know, again, being, being someone with an addictive personality, guess what I got addicted to for a while? Oh, being the health guy. So now it was like counting my macros and not allowing myself to have fun. And, you know, if cheesecake brought out, I'd get all flustered. Like, oh no, I, I can't have that. <laughs> uh, and like that stress is the biggest killer in the world. Right. So, you know, again, for anyone listening, like feel free. Like, you know, uh, for me, like the one thing I usually never skip is workouts just because I fucking love exercise so much. 
But if I do, I don't beat myself up about it anymore. I just, I just go, okay, cool. I'm going to have fun. And, you know, I still go to festivals. I still have fun with things. And, you know, especially with cannabis too, I tell people it's okay to be excited about this medicine. You know, I think a lot of us think medicine equals sick, somber, you know, uh, terrible, all these things. But in reality, we're talking about true medicine here. Not what we know is healthcare, which is really sick care. What we know in Western medical is pretty much sick care. Oh, I'm sick. Now let me go to the doctor. It's very reactive. And I'm not talking down on Western medical system. I think it's absolutely fantastic for what it's good for. But for how much it's being prescribed for, it's about good for 5% of what it's being uh, subscribed for or prescribed for. Like if you get in a car accident, God forbid, or if you fall and hurt your leg or break a bone or something, Western medical is great. But for like the other 98% of living, which is just like usually like mental health, emotional awareness, spiritual connection to everything, even physical health when it comes to like, you know, weight and, uh, and, you know, like hormones, minerals, all that kind of stuff. You're not going to find that in Western medical because their system is based off of treating things, not curing them because that's how they keep fucking making money. They don't make any money if someone is cured. Right. And so that's why I think a lot of these things like cannabis and anything, anything like this is, you know, been talked down mm -hmm. on for years. I think it's multifaceted, but that's one of the reasons for sure. So. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I think the ultimate thing we can do is, you know, if we are going to cheat, just fucking enjoy it. You know, the worst thing you can do is eat a cake and be like, oh, my God, it's going to ruin my immune system. You know, it's like you're already eating the cake. Just enjoy it. <laughs> Absolutely. Hell yeah. Amen to that, brother. And yeah. since you uh, touched on like minerals and hormones, I kind of wanted to ask you, what what's the science say about the overuse of cannabis? Is it, I, I've read and heard. Uh, like kind of higher uh, raising estrogen, lowering testosterone. What what kind of things have you seen in the science about the chronic use of cannabis? Yeah, so the testosterone thing is kind of the thing I've seen the most of recently. It goes back and forth. There's a couple studies saying that it lowers T. There's a couple saying that it actually increases T. Um, so I would say further research is needed. Like that's probably the most popular statement that comes out of my mouth when it comes to cannabis because it's like you know even though there is a lot of research out, there's still like. We don't know who's buying and paying for these studies. That's why a lot of times I look at the research coming out of Israel because they don't have the pharmaceutical cartels like we do in America. So we never really know what we're hearing. Um, Andrew Huberman recently came out with like this gigantic expose on why cannabis was terrible. Personally, I didn't agree with a lot of it. I agreed with, I actually agreed with some of it though. I thought he was definitely on the right uh, pet track, but I felt like I'm like, hey man, uh, first of all, uh, you didn't go into vaporizing like, he was like, oh, vaporizing is bad. I was like, do you mean cartridges or the volcano? You know, and things like that. Were you talking about dry herb or cartridges? So I just feel like, you know, for someone who doesn't interact with cannabis, I feel like he left out a lot of it. So again, like there's that side of it. There's also the side that cannabis depletes minerals. That I do believe just because anything will deplete minerals. Uh, I'm not exactly sure which ones, but um, overall, like that's one I've done a little bit of research into. And again, this very like rudimentary research out there, but um, that one I do recommend for, for most people. It's like, you know, you want to be supplementing with magnesium and these kind of things. Anyway, I think getting an HTMA test is fantastic. I just got mine back. I can tell you my minerals are fucking spot on. The one thing that I did have in my system was lead. Uh, and I think that's coming from dark chocolate. Um, so that's my, that's my best guess so far. That or sweet potatoes. Cause I looked up like what's mm -hmm. high in lead right now. And uh, those two things popped up and I was like, well, I definitely interact with those two things. So, um, was that so that first test. Yeah. Yeah. First test. Yep. Yeah. I think sometimes they're, they can be kind of low on the first test. And then as you remineralize though, then you'll start to see some more stuff come out. Cause I, it's my belief that we all pretty much have some form of heavy metal toxicity. It's just so ubiquitous yeah. in the, in the environment. I mean, it's hard to escape. 
And that's why the HTMAs are so crucial right now, because if you don't have the right mineral balance, then we're going to hold on to those metals. And the metals, they're, they're there to serve a purpose because your body needs something in place of if the mineral is not there, it needs something. And then, but what it does, it just shuts down cellular function and hormone function. And, you know, you're just not going to operate the way you want, but you may see as you keep retesting that you start to see some mercury come out or some lead as you, as you take some of the minerals recommended. Oh, that's awesome, man. And what I had heard too, which is really interesting is there was someone, I think it was on Chex podcast that believes that parasites only happen because they eat heavy metals in the body. So a lot of people were like, oh, I got to get rid of parasites. And so that was a very interesting theory because, you know, in, in, in my book, like I've started to realize that everything I've thought was a nuisance in life, like even mosquitoes or whatever, like they play a role in the food web, right? So why wouldn't parasites play some sort of role? It doesn't mean I want them in my body, but does it mean that I go after the parasites or do I go after something maybe like minerals, right? Same way that if I'm addicted to cannabis or feeling addicted to cannabis, do I focus on so much of cannabis or do I focus on what the hell is going on inside of me that's making me want to numb out and find comfort in external sources such as, such as cannabis, you know? That's super funny you brought up the parasites uh, because I've had like three people in the last like day because Symbiotica just put yep. out a new parasite Correct. product. And I'm like... I, I imagine no one like listening to Shervin that it's an amazing product. But what you want to ask yourself on a deeper level is why are the parasites allowed to live in your body? What kind of dysfunction do you have going on? And I know that because I haven't done any parasite cleanse and I've released so many in the past, like four to six months. Like, I mean, big ones that you could see, like I sent my wife a picture and she's like, what the fuck? And then like, I keep having them. And it's, it's just been from a, a mineral program. It's just been from the detoxification. And once they're no longer needed, your immune system is just going to spit them out. So that's my opinion of how why they're there actually to serve a purpose. But everyone wants to focus on all these parasite cleanse. And I did a parasite cleanse from my Lyme doctor. And it was like all these herbs and everything. And I was taking so much stuff at one time that I didn't really know what was doing what ozone and all this shit. But um, I never had any big parasites like that come out until I just kept regaining balance in the body. So I don't know if I'm really bought into the parasite cleanse stuff. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I totally agree. And I think that, you know, again, it's like, do we want to go after the symptoms or do we want to go after the root cause? Because, you know, uh, for me, I don't have all the time in the world, right? Like I, for all of us, we have a finite life <laughs> here, at least in the 3d reality. So do I want to go around chasing symptoms or I want to get to the root cause and go about enjoying my life, you know? And, and that's what I talk about with cannabis so much, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's like, you know, the plant can inform you of a lot of stuff going on if you choose to actually start talking with it and working with it. But it's not going to do the work for you. You know, like I tell a lot of people this cannabis and plant medicines, anything like this, even a coach can show you the what. But it's up to you to do the how. And way too many people are expecting cannabis or supplements or a doctor or anyone to fix and do the work for them. You know, and it's just like. That is, again, another way that people are externalizing their power. You know, if you understand how cannabis works as a feminine medicine and you understand that in order to balance out that equation, we must provide a masculine component to that equation, right? Whether we're male or female. And that is by setting an intention. That is by creating a ceremonial setting. And that is by integrating thereafter and saying, thank you, cannabis. Thank you. Like, it's like we already know all this. Like if you go to a class and a teacher teaches you something and you're expected to really go over and know it by the next lesson so you can move forward, and you show up and you're like, yeah, I didn't do the homework, I don't really know. The teacher's not going to be like, okay, let's move forward anyway. The teacher's like, dude, we can't fucking move forward, right? So a lot of people are stuck on lesson one with cannabis when the plan is like, you know, just like, okay, can we come, can we go forward here? 
And the person just like, oh, I can't figure out my life. I'm expecting cannabis to do it or whatever it is, you know, and, and again, no judgment, you know, for anyone that might be in this cycle, I've been there too, but, um, but you'd be amazed that like, you know, again, cannabis can teach you a lot about your life too. You know, it's like, if you start choosing to, okay, I'm going to get my relationship with cannabis in a healthier uh, mindset. I'm going to start really taking my power back with this. Well, naturally, as you start realizing how amazing that feels, you're going to start doing it in other areas of your life too. You know, so again, you know, I always say that cannabis is not the moon or sun, but it can be the finger that points you back at the moon or sun if you get disoriented. And the moon or sun in this analogy being like your own innate nature as a spiritual being, right? Like as God in the human form, any of these kind of things, you have all the answers within you, all of this kind of stuff, you know, there's a reason why a lot of these different, um, you know, uh, lineages and things like that promote not using plant medicines. You know, it's not that they're, uh, they're, they're unfounded claims. It's just that for a lot of people, it's very hard to figure out how to balance these types of things in our lives. Why? Because they can provide external feelings of comfort. And when you're providing, when you're getting comfort externally and you don't have to do the work to do it, it becomes very easy for certain parts of you to lie to yourself, right? And just start to say, oh, this is completely okay. But the more that we can start liberating ourselves and telling ourselves the truth, the more that we'll start empowering ourselves and the more that the plant can be an ally in our lives rather than something we're codependent with. Yeah, no, that that's amazing. And um, I think that uh, the use of a lot of these things can bring forth a lot of like destructive, like habitual patterns, and it brings it all to the forefront. And mm. sometimes people aren't ready to hear it. And so I, I think that not only do the minerals play a part, I just released a podcast about that today when that can really affect your outcome, but also like just the sheer fact that if you've never done breath work, you've never done yoga, you've never meditated or done any of the work, then you go into a psychedelic ceremony, maybe even cannabis, if you do the right dose and it takes you there, um, you know, you can have this experience that's not only tough during that once you come out of it, you may have not been ready to end the relationship that you're in or whatever the plant medicine tells you. And that's almost more depressing than had you not even just done the ceremony and learned anything or talked to God because it shows you exactly what what it wants to show you, whether you ask for it or not. And if you aren't ready to make those changes and step up to the plate, I think that can be very, very uncomfortable because you go back into your pattern of drinking alcohol or just doing all the normal shit that you do. But, you know, in your mind that you should be doing something different, that can be very destructive. And I think that not everyone is ready always for a plant medicine ceremony. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. The way I always put it is if you're not willing to face the repercussions of opening your Christmas presents before Christmas morning, then don't open them, you know, and like that's one of the things that I focus on a lot, because another way to say it, too, is if you are someone who has not had that much experience driving, you probably don't want to get behind a dragster and try to drive that thing. Right. But at the same time, if you choose to learn how to drive in that way, then a dragster would defeat another day in the park to you. Right. And so the analogy here is to show that, like, you know, a lot of what we focus on the program is building healthy, holistic lifestyle principles into your morning and nighttime rituals, into your day to day life. So that, again, you're not just like, you know, hitting the cannabis button and going way far out there and having no tools or know how of how to actually integrate it. But by the time you leave the program, you've learned 10 unique holistic health principles that we call the highly optimized way alongside our process that allows you to learn how to, you know, have the right diet, eat the right, you know, drink the right water, sleep well move your body every day, uh, journal, look at the belief systems, look at your ability to turn off, 
look at how the music in your life is informing you of what emotions are residing in your unconscious and subconscious, looking about how to cultivate your own energy, doing breath work, how to goal set and really know what you want in life and how to create a ritual practice out of reminding yourself how to feel into your future, how to connect to individuals in your life and make amazing friendships, relationships, et cetera. And then how to remember how to play in your life. You know, like when you learn all of those types of things with the help of cannabis, well, now you can build out morning and nighttime rituals and daily routines that allow you to be able to get the message and potentially hang up the phone for a little while. As Terrence McKenna said, you know, you shouldn't, you didn't, you don't need cannabis to show you these things, but again, it can be that finger that points you back when you get disoriented. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I like altered states for that, but they just, you have to um, really use some discernment and make sure that's not being too destructive. And um, that really like, you know, like, how I said with the coffee or the nicotine, those are really simple ones that really like if you overuse those, you might have a little like heightened stress, but you can kind of get away with those. But you start using like people start microdosing mushrooms and they want to microdose every day. Like I had a buddy like that. I'm like, are are you even feeling anything? Like what what do you get out of of microdose of mushrooms every single day? Or what do you get out of smoking all day? Like you need to ask yourself something like that. So those types of plants that are real mystical and real conscious, I think can start that almost end up being like some form of like negative feedback you're getting after a while because they're almost, I think it's almost on purpose. It's like they're, they're conscious plants in their own being with their own energy. And when you're abusing them, they start to give you this negative energy, like the calling almost of like, you know, you're overdoing this, you know, that this isn't how this is supposed to be used. And I think that they kind of vibrate that message through you. And a lot of times people don't feel the calling because they just like how they felt or they remember the honeymoon stage of when they first started the cannabis or the mushrooms. And uh, so they can kind of get trapped, just like we were already talking about with anything and the, with the nasal spray or whatever it is the hell that you're doing. But um, I think that these conscious plants, they start to really, really turn into like a negative spiral, even if it doesn't seem like it, because it's just they're, they're not supposed to be used in that manner. Yeah, 100 percent. You know, and I talk about cannabis in three different ways when it comes to like the language the plant speaks in. The first that we already expanded upon was feminine medicine. But the second one that I think is really pertinent to mention here is that all plant medicines, but especially cannabis, they act as a mirror. Right. So the same way that like, for instance, if you if you meet someone right and they trigger the hell out of you, guess why you can see that in them because you also have it right. So a lot of times it's this mirroring aspect where we're like, oh my God, that person, they're such an asshole as they do these things. And it's like, well, when you point a finger, there's three pointing back at you, right? So with cannabis, this works the same way where if you're lying to yourself, right? If you're stuck in these stories and all these things, well, as you're interacting with cannabis, you're moving from the ego and default mode network into the subconscious like we talked about, right? So what happens there is there's less protection from the ego and the default mode network about these lies. So all of a sudden you start facing these existential truths about yourself and you start seeing who you truly are. When I was 14, before I ever interacted with cannabis, I had this poster on my wall from, it was a Bob Marley poster. And I can remember it like it was yesterday. It said on it, when you smoke the herb, it reveals you to yourself, right? And I thought I was the coolest 14 year old on the block. But <laughs> years later, I realized I'm like, holy fuck. I, I, I like, it was like a premonition like literally, I think 16 years in the making before I actually realized cannabis was a mirror. And so 
when you understand that, it's less likely that you're going to have a freakout session because if you start feeling anxiety or paranoia, instead of saying, oh my God, the plant's doing this to me, I'm a victim, you can start saying, where in me is this coming from and I can handle this, you know? So this is why I give this to people because it allows you to have great utility when you work with plant medicines, you know, to realize that whatever it's showing you was already inside of you. It's not giving you anything, right? It's just illuminating what's already in there. I think that's very important. And then the third way uh, to understand how cannabis works is it's imagination medicine. This is why it's so good at being able to be an ally in your life because if you want to create a new reality for yourself, you first have to be able to imagine a new reality that is different from the one you're living in, right? Everything starts from imagining first, right? These computers run right now, this webcam, everything was an idea before it was actually made. And so it's important that we can go into our imagination and be able to expand upon that superpower that is imagination. And from imagination, we can create new belief systems. And our lives are created as a result of what we choose to believe about life. Maybe sometimes we don't choose, we're just kind of unconscious. And so by being able to tap into imagination, you can create new belief systems and that can help you create a new experience of life. And so understanding it's feminine medicine, a mirror and imagination medicine, plus the three-step process, highly optimized way, et cetera, gives people a little bit from like to walk away from this episode with actual things they can go try. Because again, never want to be a talking head. I don't want anyone to just go, oh, Ryan says it's true. So it's totally true. I want you to test it. I want you to come tell me what you experience with it. Because when I bring people through Connect with Cannabis, I am amazed. I mean, I always know exactly what I'm going to teach when I get in there, right? We have the same lesson plan. We teach certain ways, but I never know what's going to come out of people. And that's what creates the ultimate mystery for me. Because for me, I know that I never like opening my Christmas presents before Christmas morning, right? The best part is the surprise, not actually what's in there. And so by being able to like, you know, give people these lessons and see what comes out. It's just, it's constantly broadening my horizon of what's possible with this medicine as well. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with everyone listening. I'm still genuinely curious. I have not mastered this by any sense. I'm obsessed with it. I do it every single day. I learn about cannabis. I sit with it a couple of times per week. I coach people with it, but I'm always learning. I'm like a sponge, you know, I just love learning stuff. Yeah, that's beautiful. And and you to be able to um, coach people through and then get their responses and then kind of tweak what you think about it and kind of, uh, switch up your coaching program, maybe depending on kind of feedback that you get is going to be critical over time. And I know we're kind of running the, down to the last little bit here. Why don't you, you've kind of told us a little bit about the program. I guess we can kind of dive all the way into that. You kind of told us what to expect a little bit. Is there cultivation in there or is that a separate program? Like what, what all exactly do they, would someone get out of your program? Yeah, great question. So I have two different products. I have connect with cannabis and I have grow with cannabis. So Connect with Cannabis is a 12-week certification program designed to help you master your relationship to the plant. And we're the only course out there that's experiential. So rather than just giving you information, which we do have, we have 42 modules in there, hundreds of pages of science and coaching facilitation work. But we also have the real meat and potatoes of that program, which is the ceremony track, which is every single week you're going to be actually experiencing how cannabis works as a spiritual aid and ally in your life. And then we have a group call every week that you actually come and you get to really talk about what happened. You get to receive support from me. You get a one-on-one -on -one call when you go through the program. We joke often we have the most fun homework on the internet, bar none. Uh, it's so much fun. And so every single week you're getting these experiences, you're actually growing and you're keeping track of everything on our tracker. We have this beautiful tracker we use. And so by the end of the program, you can go back and remember the entire journey you went on, right? And when we certify individuals in our system, we give them our medical intake forms, our coach client agreements, our you know tracker, everything, so they can really just go out and use this stuff. That's our ultimate intention. And my goal is to get a million people around the world interacting with cannabis consciously. And to do that, I wanna have 10,000 coaches out there. 
Uh, and so everyone that joins the program has the opportunity to get certified if they so choose. Some people go through it just for themselves. Some people go through it because they are a coach. And what I tell everyone is if you're listening to this right now and you're like, oh, that sounds cool, but I'm not a coach. Totally okay, right? Think about how well this system is going to work in your life if professional coaches use this to coach their clients successfully with cannabis, you know? So it's great to have a skill set. I think has never been a better time to be our own guru, be our own healer. Uh, and this is one of the best ways to do it. And so that's what Connect with Cannabis is all about. And then Grow with Cannabis is my answer to uh, a lot of different things. But number one being the fact that I think it's really important that as uh, the pharmaceutical companies and the government and everyone starts to get their dirty hands into the psychedelic industry, I think it's really important that we all remember that, yes, having clinicians and all of these doctors and everything, there's utility in that. But at the end of the day, people have been connecting with these plants for much longer than Western medical has been around in a way that's much more sovereign in nature. And so by being able to cultivate your own plants, you ensure that you can always have the right medicine for you. You can save money. You can make sure you have high quality cannabis free of heavy metals and all the bullshit that they're spraying these plants with. And you can ensure that you can always have an ally for yourself that you can sit with and gain awareness with in your life. And so the Grow With Cannabis course is not just about growing cannabis, it's about growing with cannabis. And so it's kind of like a Mr. Miyagi approach to growing where the 17 week self-guided course. So unlike Connect With Cannabis is a program, we have weekly calls, uh, Grow With Cannabis is self-guided. But we do have a community that goes with it where once a month I hop on there for Q&A. We have a Telegram community. We're all talking on there. It's super fun. But the way I laid it out is so it's keep it simple, stupid method, right? Where literally you open up the program or the course, you go into week zero. That's everything you need to know before you start growing. And then when you're ready to get your seeds in the ground, you just start with week one and it just leads you every single week exactly what to do with regards to how to mix your soil, uh, what soils to buy if you don't want to mix your own, how to plant seeds, clones, how to clone. Um, I mean, God, how to use biogeometry, how to make your own Korean natural farming amendments, how, where to buy them if you'd rather buy them. Um, you know, how to uh, train your plants, how, when to initiate flowering, growing indoors versus outdoors. I mean, everything from my last 13 years of being a cultivator is in there. Um, I tell everyone, you know, if you want to check it out, um, there's a big reason why people like Aubrey Marcus and Paul Check have, you know, said what they've said about my quality cannabis. You know, it's not that I'm this magical grower that's doing it different than anyone. It's that I'm working with nature, you know, and nothing is going to outsmart nature, you know, and that's my big argument for growing is that, listen, all these people that grow with chemical salts, the unconscious belief is that they know better than nature. And that is just not accurate. And when you grow according to nature and you make the energy right in the room and you make sure that your energy is right, right? And that's a big part of Grow With Cannabis too, is doing weekly energy practices designed to help you get your energy in check so that you're not going into this room harboring hate, anxiety, frustration, any of these lower dense emotions, so that when you actually cultivate your plant, you can deepen your relationship to it. Also, there's a lot you can learn about yourself in cultivating your own plant. You know, when you plant a seed, it's fragile, right? Very similar to when you start a new endeavor in life, a new relationship, et cetera, it's fragile, right? But as it starts to grow and you feed it and you water it and you take care of it and you're consistent, all of a sudden you have this plant that's pretty hardy, right? You can start bending it and training it and topping it and doing all these things and it will just come right back, right? And so it's very similar to like how we actually move through life. And so it is the only course out there. Both of them are really the only courses out there that go into looking at cannabis in this specific way as a living entity and how to work with nature rather than against it to 
have a beautiful supply of cannabis. And the greatest part about Grogu Cannabis uh, on the quantitative side is that I just made a post about this today, too, is that in our beta ground that we uh, brought students through, on average, they saved 70% on their monthly cannabis expenses. Not only that, but they had higher quality cannabis. They had a fucking blast doing it. They learned how to work with nature. They learned how to grow any vegetable. Because again, I'm teaching you organic soil science, which you can apply to anything you want to grow. And I think in the modern day, where more and more people are you know, taking over our food supply and things like that. It's important to understand how to do these things, not to spread fear or anything. But again, things are getting more expensive. You just want to look at it like that. So it's important to understand these things. So we got Connect with Cannabis. Our next group starts March 15th. We have another one starting on 420 because uh, we had to. Um, and then <laughs> Grow with Cannabis is available whenever. Um, but it's really important if you're planning on growing outdoors and you're in like the this side of the equator, um, I'd fully recommend starting those seeds soon. And if you need help doing so, please reach out. Um, you know, you can download our free conscious cannabis guide to dive in more of what connect with cannabis is. Um, you can dive into my podcast where I've talked about cultivating, hit me up. I do free cultivation consultations. So yeah, reach out for sure. Yeah. That's amazing. Have you, have you played with any of these like uh, newer, like quantum technologies with your grow? You might not need it if you're doing biogeometry and stuff, but there's like FLFE and then there's uh, now Leela Q just put out the quantum upgrade. Have you, have you thought about playing with any of that? I haven't yet. Um, the new thing that I've done in the past um, is I've done a couple of different things. I've done the fractalized water. Uh, that's been pretty cool. Um, I'm uh, toying with the idea of putting a copper pyramid in my grow uh, and um, uh, argon pyramids, um, those as well, um, because I've been really getting obsessed with just the sacred geometry in a whole deeper sense. I've also thought about putting like you know, images of the tree of life or doing my plants in the tree of life type um, type diagram. Uh, I'm a student of the modern mystery school, so I do a lot of Kabbalah work and things like that. So I haven't got into any of that stuff, but I will definitely look into it because I'm always looking like again, I'm like I said, I'm a sponge. I, I've, I'll never stop improving things and trying to make them better. Um, one of the things that I've noticed that is very interesting is that cannabis can, can be combined with other plant medicines. And what I mean by that is this. So I was in California and I found a buddy of mine who was working with this tribe over there that was doing ayahuasca ceremonies. And after each ceremony, they would dump the brew on their plants and water their plants with ayahuasca brew. Well, I will tell you, there's definitely an effect that happens when you do that. So I've definitely experimented in the past with feeding my plants psilocybin teas and these kind of things. And that's a very interesting results. So, you know, again, that's like very preliminary. I haven't done it enough to really know, but anyone who wants to take that and just run with it. Um, there's definitely great utility there for sure, but I'll definitely check those out. You said FLFE and what was the other one? I would actually recommend quantum upgrade. I'm going to, uh, I'll, I'll get your number when we hop off here and I'll text right. that over to you so we can also connect on the other, other podcast guests and stuff that we talked about. But, um, uh, they have some really dope research and some of it involves plants and obviously most of it's like seeds and microgreens and things that's not cannabis. But I, I always thought when I would read those, like, man, I wish I was still growing cannabis. I tried to get my buddy to do it up in Michigan and he, he just hasn't done it. He's like, ah, too busy or whatever. But I'm like, someone like you, it's like, there's also frequencies that you can add to your, to your bundle. So you basically, you can get quantum upgrade on yourself, your phone, your property, and it'll basically, you can pick the consciousness level. So you can keep wow. going up and up, up, up. And then every like 30 days, they even release like, a, it's on the, based on the David Hawkins uh, consciousness yeah, scale. Yep. Plants would not only be like bigger or healthier because it blocks EMF and stuff like that. Just like what would that do if the consciousness level of your property was higher 
And then there's other frequencies you can add on there, like um, like gratitude or inner peace or mm. whatever. There's like uh, prosperity, abundance. So all these other things that I'm like, I well, wouldn't the plant take that in in some energetic form? Because I when I put inner peace on my house, like I slept better, like low, like definitely like lowered anxiety. Like it's it's a real deal. It works. And uh, I'm surprised you never uh, played with any of the Lee Q stuff. No, really? no, I haven't. And, you know, it's interesting. Like this is, I mean, pure evidence. I'm always learning new stuff. And, you know, it sounds like uh, this would be extremely exciting to try out on my grow because when I applied biogeometry to it, I mean, it was just wild what happened. I mean, I'm never too concerned with yield or potency because it's just for me anyway. But um, but those quantifiable uh, data did go up uh, quite dramatically, like mm -hmm. like almost so much that if I had told if most cannabis growers knew how much this quote unquote woo woo stuff could help them with the things they care about, like yield and potency, they would be flabbergasted. Right. But they're all worried about putting more bloom boosters and more of all these kind of things, PGRs, plant growth regulators, and all these kind of things in there and just poisoning the earth and their plants with it. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely doing it the right way. So why don't right. you um, tell everyone uh, where to find you on social media, what your website is, how they can get to your coaching program if they're looking for that. Yeah, absolutely. So the best place to find me, I'm on there all the time, is uh, Instagram at the real Ryan Sprague. S-P-R-A-G-U-E is my uh, last name. And then we also have the business profile at highly.optimize, where we do all the podcast releases and things like that. Um, I do have two podcasts, which are the Highly Optimized podcast, which I'm currently on a hiatus from. I'm going to be going back to that soon. Uh, and then the This One Time on Psychedelics podcast. We just dropped episode 100 with Robert Forte today. Um, this guy is incredible. Definitely check that out. You can find those pretty much wherever podcasts are at. And then the website is highlyoptimized.me where you can learn more about Connect with Cannabis and apply for a qualifying call. And you can also sign up for a free cultivation consultation for the Grow with Cannabis program. Um, we also have a couple of new things we're going to be releasing that I won't, uh, you know, uh, spoil the surprise on right now, but definitely keep an eye out for those. Uh, and then also we have the free Conscious Cannabis Guide. Like I mentioned a little bit earlier, it'll dive a lot deeper into the three-step process we have and also the three ways to understand the language Cannabis Speaks that I mentioned. Uh, and then we also have a free Facebook group that is fucking awesome. It's called the Ceremony Circle. For anyone who's interested in this and is curious to learn more, hop in there. I do a free call every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. It's a blast. Come out, meet like-minded individuals. We have like, I think, seven or 800 people in there by this point. Um, it's so much fun. So those are the places you can find me. And I've had an amazing time here, man. Thank you so much for hosting. This is so much fun. Yeah, it was beautiful. And I, I just I just think that your message right now and the 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 height of the cannabis industry just like expanding so much, like the message you're sharing is is what needs to be said. So I wanted to get you on here so you could speak that truth. Hell yeah, man. Thank you so much again. It's been an absolute blast. It's flown by. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank, thank you. you. <laughs> much love. If you enjoy this show, would you please take a second to subscribe, rate, and review it for me? Also, if you'd like to know more information about combo personalized one-on-one -on -one coaching with me or for upcoming retreat information, which I host with my wife, please visit my website in the show notes or DM me on Instagram. My handle over there is at integrative Matt until next time, my friends.